All right, this is the second part of uh, our meditation on the prologue of John. We're going to start at verse 14 and go to the end, verse 18, um, to try to exploit the wealth but not get tired, you know. Uh, we can always come back and do the whole thing over again a few years from now. Uh, but I hope you are appreciating the beauty of this text. All right. So he has described the career of the Word, if I may so speak. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, which is a faith word, you see, he gave them power to be the children of God. You see, who are born, not of the will of the flesh, or the will of the blood, you see, or of man, but of God. God gave them already this grace and this whole liturgy. St. Thomas points out that, uh, and I'll, I'll quote it some weeks down the road, that the Jewish liturgy, for those who had faith, it was in image, it was in symbol, and they knew it. They knew that something more was going to happen somehow. And it's clear from the way they write their text. So when they, he calls them sacramenta, when they celebrated the Jewish liturgy, they didn't stop at the symbol. They went right through to the reality. And he quotes a text from Aristotle, that the movement of the mind toward a symbol goes through the symbol to the reality. And so, he says, they lived by the same grace we have. Think about that. I could quote Didymus the Blind, Augustine. They all say this. But you see then what fullness we have. We know him. We see his face. And we receive his body and blood in communion. And the word was made flesh. He wanted to be that close to us. Take his humani our humanity on himself. Teach us, heal us through it, and then, in an act of love, carrying all our sin, give his whole humanity, loaded with sin, back to the Father. And we went with him. And that's baptism. We are baptized into his death. Okay. So the text that we started with last moment and now, and the word became flesh. It's impossible to to in a way, because flesh means for us uh, pornography or something. You I mean it doesn't mean just the human being in his ephemeral, weak, transitory, confused existence. Flesh. Jesus, without any confusion, without any darkness in his mind, but he took upon himself that weak existence which is destined intrinsically to death. And he took it on himself. And we saw his glory. You have to have faith to see the glory. This is a definition of glory from Father Donasi and Mola. The glory of God is God himself. As he is revealed in his majesty, his power, the glory of his holiness, the dynamism of his being. That's glory. The Hebrew word is kavod. It's the kavod that settles on the tent. It's the kavod that guides them through the cloud. It's the kavod 
And if you have eyes to see, you see that majesty, power, glory, dynamism in the Eucharist. Because it's there. You see? Glory as of an only begotten of the Father. No one else <clears throat> except the Father and the Spirit have this glory. And in the eyes of faith, we can see it filled with grace and truth. These words are hard for us. They come a lot in Chesed uh, Ve'emet in Hebrew, Charis Ve'elitia. It means this whole plan of salvation. Uh, he's full of grace, the grace of truth. He's filled. Charis, Chesed, means that love of affection by which God is enthusiastically faithful to the covenant. And we saw that this only begotten, you see the glory of this only begotten, is filled with this love, mercy, enthusiasm, and truth. Emet, he doesn't change. You can trust him. If he promises, he will always come through. You can trust him. And Jesus Christ, the Word incarnate, is full of grace and truth. You can believe every word he says. You can trust him and you can trust his promises. Anybody eats my body and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. That's his promise. So that if in faith we receive his body and blood and, and, and obey the dynamism of that divine life, we're going to see him forever. We're going to see him forever. So then, John is introduced again. John witnesses. It's a present tense. That is, the witness in the Gospel of John is John's witness. He continues to witness and cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me, because before I existed, he already was. The witness of John the Baptist. And as he says later on in this the passage uh, of John, which we'll see soon, I didn't recognize him until I saw the Spirit descend and rest on him. Then I knew who he was. And this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Now we go back to John, the John's text. For from his fullness we have all received grace for grace. He is the head of the body. He is absolutely, infinitely full of divine life. And he pours it out on us. Divine life. His word, his action in our souls, action in the community, the Eucharist, all the sacraments. You see, we have all received grace for grace. The grace of the Old Testament fulfilled by the grace of the New Testament. You see? That's why, you see, come the Feast of the Eucharist, what do we read? We read John 6. Our Lord's discourse about the heavenly manna, the Eucharist. Okay? The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth 
came to be through Jesus Christ. The law is a gift. If the law is so great, imagine now what has come to us through Jesus Christ. Somebody says, I would like to experience that. Agreed. Start to pray every day. Fight for your prayer time every day. Start with 15 minutes with a goal of an hour. I'll tell you a story, though I'm running out of time. I'll tell you anyway. A, a friend, IBM vice president, when he was 42, pretty bright guy, aggressive too, of course, and a friend tried to get him to pray. He had a, he was an elector and council and all that. Most of the people who usually don't pray. So anyway, uh, he, the friend said, give me 15 minutes. He said, all right, I'll do that. Saw him a few months later. He said, how you doing? He said, I'm praying an hour a day. He said, I thought you didn't have time. He said, it got to be a hunger. See, grace for grace. It'll work that way in our own lives. Huh? God, no one has seen ever. Ineffable. The only begotten God. Interesting, huh? There's a big fight about that because we have a textual variant, the only begotten Son. But the best text, everybody agrees now, is the only begotten God. So there's God and the only begotten God. Do you see the plurality, the abundance in God? Who is in the bosom of the Father. Think of that intimacy. huh? He has made him known. If you see me, you see the Father. He has made him known. And so now, as we finish the prologue in these two sessions, let's go back over it just quickly to see what we've learned, huh? what John has taught us. It is so precious, okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was turned towards God, and God was the Word. Isn't that amazing? And God was the Word. We translate it, and the Word was God. And that's okay, but Keteos in Holyoyos. See? And God, whatever you mean by God, you can say of the Logos, who's turned towards Him in that ineffable embrace of the Holy Spirit. And we'll soon learn about the Holy Spirit. You see, and uh, everything came about through him. And without him became nothing that came about. He wants us to be clear. Everything in this world depends on the risen Christ. The whole universe. Okay? But was what, what came to be in him was life. Everything in a way, even the atoms, have movement. But the crown of all creation, that's us. Can you imagine? I'm a crown of creation. Which means, you see, that uh, what came to be is life. I'm alive. St. Thomas is a beautiful thing. He said, don't stop and think about this. Life is movement from within yourself, right? 
So a plant has life. can't get up and move, but it's got, it sustains itself. An animal can walk around. It's another level of life. But a human being can think. We have no, that's why he says, this is the light of men, this logos. And I tried to explain that a little bit. The logos himself is our light. Or as St. Thomas says, our, our minds, our reason, are an imprint of the divine light. If we understood that, and that every word we speak is a participation in the divine word, we'd be a lot more careful about the way we spoke. Every word we speak is a participation in the divine word. Okay. And so, uh, and this light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not put it out. He's alluding there to the divine light which continued to shine in Adam and Eve even though darkness had ruined things. Not completely. We have the promise there, and then we have the fulfillment in Jesus, and we're living that. And so, that's how this prologue begins, okay? Then, again, he talks about this true light coming to the people. We heard Irenaeus talk about it. The word speaking to Abraham, Moses, David. And then finally, the word became flesh. What a shock. He became one of us. You know? Uh, and then from there, uh, he pitched his tent. We saw his glory. Aren't we lucky? And the more we live by faith, the more we see his glory, even in this life. All right. Uh, that's the end of the prologue. And we'll uh, pick up next time with the revelations through John the Baptist. <laughs>